This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. So, um, are we saying, fuck sex, we'll play a sex game? (laughs) 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 We should still all take time for real sex, (laughs) because board game sex is probably not as good as real sex. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mice they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. He'll say to me, are you a pro? Not really, I just have a website. Then he goes, is it a pro website? (laughs) Jay Boosh. They're like, holy fuck, we're both over here, man. We both can't be over here, man. Scotty. Like, I stared him right in the face. I'm like, I'm only here for the buys. He's like, so you only want the buys. I'm like, once again, I am only here for the buys. <laughs> and Jeremy. As the 18th fourth member, I promise the listeners that I will get that man to talk more. <laughs> that is my commitment to you. And now, the 18th. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 147 of the A-Team Podcast. Mr. Scotty Mack here, sick as a dog, trying to bring it together just long enough so that we can bring you a show. Of course, it's not just the Scotty Mack Show, it's the A-Team Podcast. So with me, I have the A-Team. I have the newest member, Jeremy Schofield. I'm so glad I didn't have to miss an episode. The drugs are pretty good and just woke up in time for the show. Sit. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, the drugs must have been pretty good. What? Well, you so, did miss a show. What, what do you mean? <laughs> what day is it? What day is what it? Is it? <laughs> Why is my beard so long? <laughs> Obviously, we have with us one, the only Batman himself, KYT. How's it going, sir? Very good, very good. So, Jeremy, we're starting... This is your first episode, right? We're starting back on square one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's five to go, baby! I didn't miss any episodes. <laughs> so, zero. we are uh, we are without a Jay Boosh for some inordinate amount of time. Jay's going through his fair share of stuff. Uh, Megan's cooking has not yet killed him. Uh, he is generally in good health. Uh, he's just going through his fair share of shit right now, so uh, I don't know whether he's going to join us or not. But, we got actually a really sweet guest. Um, I'm pretty excited that we just randomly put this together. Um, we have uh, Kelly, who is the astute T.O. Uh, representing the Harry Tarantula store in downtown Toronto. He has uh, been the most successful Ontarian TO when it comes to PTQs uh, you ran Kelly say hi hi yes well that's that's an introduction sure yeah go with that 
Um, we uh, Kelly ran the largest PTQ of the season last year. Um, when you say the season, you mean the last fifteen years, correct? Yeah, the, I was going to get to that. Whoa, 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 blanks there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, how many people were on that? Were, were in that in attendance? Three hundred and eight. Um, no, three hundred and sixty-seven. There really you go. If we if we hadn't have had to conscript a couple of extra judges, it, it would have been three hundred and seventy. But uh, we had to throw some black shirts on people and pull them out of the event. Yikes. Do you know how many GPs you've beaten with that number? Uh, that's a good question. I never crunched the numbers. I Pretty much everyone in New Zealand ever, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, maybe some South American ones as well? I don't, I don't know. We, I, I, You know what? Once I saw that we were 14 short of the largest PTQ ever in history, I, I just sort of gave up and cried. But it gives me somewhere to shoot for, you know? <laughs> for next time around. Exactly. November 9th. November 9th. November 9th. Yeah, so uh, so in addition to that, um, we've been talking about it on the show, about how Kelly's decided to bring back the regional pre-releases uh, here in Toronto. And uh, so, so I was at one this weekend. And it was insane. So we thought, well, we're going to be talking pre-release experience and Theros and all of that good stuff today. Why would we not get the man who ran the most insane pre-release ever on the show? The godfather of Toronto Magic. The godfather of Toronto Magic, as he has come to be known. To, to, To clear that up, that title came to me from one very drunken... Uh, bar with no name, magic player. So I don't think they can be held accountable for the words that came out of their mouth at the at the time. But that 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 quote was mentioned that I'm the Godfather of Toronto Magic. I think good nicknames usually come from that scenario. It's true. It's true. Um, I feel like I do not break nearly enough legs for that to be me, though. But uh, I I guess I could start if I had to. Absolutely, there's always a future. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so pre-release this weekend, Theros, did we have an insane time or what? We had a pretty spectacular time. Um, I've learned that when I, like, plan for events, I should just, like, take my estimates and then double it. And then and then <laughs> I might get an accurate understanding of how many people are going to be at these events. Because um, I totally planned to have, you know, about 80 people and fire, like, four or five flights and you know, have a good time and and make a good show of it. The, the Harry T was there. Uh, ANC this is another local shop that it just started running events, so they're not they're not even at advanced level. They're just a core level store. So we brought them under our wing, brought them out. They got to bring their pre release allocation. You know, they've got a little basement where they could have maybe fit ten or twelve people. So we said, come be a part of this big thing. Um, and then we got a we got a vendor out to Cardboard Classics who've been doing a lot of community stuff too in in Southern Ontario, um, and uh, we just started talking about it and and everyone seemed to really like the idea. So we wound up firing six flights of thirty two, uh, a flight of fourteen, and then a a twenty four team two headed giant event and a twelve team two headed giant event. It was. Absolutely bonkers. So, to put this in perspective, how many how many boxes did you move that weekend? 
Um, of like, the, the, like the intro, like yeah, the pre-release boxes? The colored pre-release boxes, we cracked open 280 pre-release boxes uh, all together. That includes the ones that you and Maddie uh, gunsling with. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, like I said, it was double what I expected, and we did more traffic at the hotel on Saturday than we did in the whole weekend at the North Store, which is fine, because the North Store had a great weekend, too. We we ran both events. We did the, the hotel and our regular slate of events up at the Harry Tarantula North, so... Um, but the, 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 the hotel was huge. We had the room for it and we had the judge staff and we had sports. So it was, a, it, it, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was great. ANC games, um, they do like retro video gaming and stuff too. So they brought like a couple TVs and an N64 and they had like smash brothers set up. So while you were like waiting in between rounds, you could like go beat some people up with Donkey Kong to make yourself feel better about your like O2 loss and and it was just great. Yeah, it was a really good way to kill time in between flights too. Like if you if you signed up for one and you would go like fucking one two drop or whatever, um, and then you're just like waiting for your next flight to fire. It's fucking really cool to just hang out and do that too. So all those video games are pretty sweet. Um, the gunsling was awesome. Maddie and I had a blast. Uh, we kind of got like the feature table up front. People would just come up and and battle us, and we had. So much fun. We gave away a ton of packs because it ended up being, uh, um, we were doing two out of threes to start. And when we were doing two out of threes, like our win percentages were very high. <laughs> because, like, very high. We were giving away not a lot of packs. And then when it went to like single games, we gave away a lot of packs. And I think that what happened was, um, with this format in particular, something that I found is, I mean, maybe it's just pre-release in general, right? But you have no idea what to expect out of your opponent's decks. And, like, I just, I don't play enough competitive limited to be able to actually accurately answer this. So maybe, you know, Jeremy, GP Vancouver, you know, first loser, you could tell me. Um, but, uh, realistically, <laughs> like, game ones where, where I have no idea what I'm up against, so what am I playing around, no idea, this bomb, that bomb, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, so I might lose, maybe I win, who knows, I like, because it's a double-edged sword. And then the second and third games, if they went that far, um, were always just, like, no contest. Like, it, it was just set up, so it's like, this is what I'm playing around, this is what I need, this is what I need to resolve, this is the game plan. And it was just like any other academic game of Magic, and it was like, crush, crush. Well, and, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you've got, like, the skill set and stuff like that, you're going to be able to recognize the trends that are going on in the first game. It's a new set, so you don't know what's going on. You don't know what you have to play around. It's limited, so you don't know what cards your opponent has. Yeah. You know, you might be able to pick out an archetype once you've kind of played a little bit. But then you've also got access to the sideboard if you're doing a lot of sideboarding. And I think Pascal Maynard, you know, referred to limited loving sealed because you have a 64-card sideboard. Yeah. So, you know, it's like there's a lot of aspects there where you can kind of pick off on that. And then this set also has, like, some decent color hoser cards, you know, like the the the, the, the monocolored ones. So it's like the white enchantment exile, the black kill a black guy, you know. The, there's a lot of cute little cards in there that can play into it. So, yeah, I can totally see that where it's like your game one, you don't know what you're going up against. You might keep a questionable keep, you know, it might look good in somewhere, and then you get beat by some weird you know, donkey combo type thing. And then game two, you know what you're playing against and you play smarter, you keep better keeps or you mulligan more, or you do whatever you need to do to win. Yeah. So, yeah. 
No, yes. you're right. Yeah, so so it was it was good and um and I really enjoyed it overall. I had a really good time. Um and my decks were all right. I was uh I at first the pile my first round pile I thought was going to be terrible. But actually it ended up being like stone nutty. I was a I I ended up in bug game 1. Uh I opened up a pool with like a ton of red cards that were good. Um, but not enough to actually pull a deck together. And my rares that were actually playable, I, I pulled um, an Arbor Colossus, which is the 6-6 six, six reach guy for green, green, green 2, and he's got Monstrosity 3, which is green, green, green 3. Uh, when he becomes monstrous, destroy a target creature with flying and opponent controls. So yeah. he's he's pretty good. He's sick. That's yeah. bananas. That thing is totally <laughs> unfit. Like, come on. Yeah, so it was it was it was very good. Um, and then I also got a Reaper of the Wilds for that, which turned out to be fine. Uh, there's one more rare which I'll save for a minute. But um, I got like two of the Titans of like the the Prometheus Titan, where he makes all of your humans yeah. do damage, and you know. But I just didn't really feel like I had a lot of humans, and so I didn't know where I was going to end up. And the one thing I did know is that I pulled three copies of Sip of Hemlock, which is the six casting cost killer guy. Yeah. They take two spell. Yeah, that thing's sick. Yeah, so once I, I got two of the Ferris Band Centaurs, which are the three sevens for five in green. I got two Nessian Apps, which are the four five reach monstrosities for five. And like with the Arbor Colossus, like I knew I had a fairly good top game when I just had to get to the bottom one. My extra rare, which was retarded, was Prophet of Cruffix, which is the Seedborn Muse to Fairy card. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting because um, for my early cards, I ended up getting three of the Death Touch Bestow guy. So he's a 1-1 Death Touch at worst that, bo- that blocks the ground or makes your guys fucking dumb. I got two of the 2-2 flying creature uh, via Bestow guy. I got an Agent of Horizons, which is a 3-2 unblockable in green. I got the Nessian Corsair, which is a 3-3 in green. And then I got, what, the Intimidate Bestow Guy at 4, uh, the Trample Emissary at 4, and then the Reaper, and then all these, like, fucking 5 and 6 drops, um, which were insane. So I basically had to, like, play this game where I had to just trade early and keep all my guys on the table, and once I got to 5 mana, um, the game was over. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, let me tell you how dumb Profit is with the set where you can't kill an X3 without a Lightning Strike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you just, like, resolve the card, and then you pass the turn, and then you untap, and you play a 5-drop blocker, and then you untap, and you play a land, and you play your 6-cast-removal spell, and you kill their best guy, and then you untap, and then you play a blocker. Like, being able to bestow your guys at instant speed as combat tricks is fucking retarded. (laughs) So, one note about that card, as soon as that card was spoiled... I had, like, 11 judges be like, hey, if you find any foils, hook me up. Yep. Yeah, because that card is going to be, like, the EDH jizz factor. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly himself. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, Scott, I can see this card being so sick. Yeah, we opened one, uh, I destroyed Matt. Matty opened a pool with uh, two, like, basically the dream motto green pool. He opened two uh, Nylia, two of the Green God in his pool. Oh, fuck. (laughs) How do you lose? So he built this deck, and I crushed him every game. So then I was like, okay, you need to change your deck. 
And so I like I helped him tune it a little bit, and then he proceeded to like beat everyone else, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, so he had a for nut. the record. For the record, yeah. Between you and Maddie, who held on to more packs? Like every time you <laughs> lost, you had to give away a pack. So who who held on to more? Packs? We we did, honestly we totally lost count. Like. It was because like there was a period of time where in the first round he was pulling from my from my stack, um, to like to feed, and then second time around I was pulling from his stack to feed. Um, so it, it just like it totally depends. Um, it got to the point where once people figured out how to actually make aggressive decks, my uh, bug deck didn't do so well anymore. Uh, so both Maddie and I kind of like chimed in and we're like, okay, well we've played these enough, and everyone else is playing with all these multiple pools, so we want to do something else too. So we we ponied up and we bought ourselves another pool each. And, uh, it was, my second pool was much better. Like my second pool has been claimed to be like the most insane seal pool that most people have seen in a long time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I picked the blue pack. Um, I got the ship, Shipbreaker Kraken, but I also got both a Thassa and, uh, a Perforos. Okay. <laughs> so that seems fine enough, right? But I got an Ember Swallower. And where things get really retarded is you start to look at actually some of the like removal spells that I had. I had Voyage's End, which has turned out to be just a fucking bonkers ass card. What's that one? What's that? One? Uh that's the bounce unsummon, so it's a blue one instant return target creature to Sonar's hand scry one. Oh Act actually okay. it's very, very good. Uh, I combine that with uh, a Griptide, which puts a target creature on top oh, yeah. of their opponent's library. Um, I played one main deck, a Null. I had a Magma Jet. I had two Rage of Perforos. And, uh, and then on top of that, <clears throat> I did have one Flame Speaker Adept. Okay. Which is the tooth, which, as I called it, I knew this guy would be a retarded in the right red-blue deck. This guy is fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm, two, three... Yeah. Red, red two. Whenever you scry, he gets plus two plus zero and gains first strike till end of turn. Like this card's very, very good. And if you can draft him in multiples with these, you know, scry instants and stuff, like he's he's just ridiculous. There were multiple turns where I had him and Thassa side by side, and it was like there was nothing my opponent could do. I had uh, I had two of the flying and Ch- uh, bestow enchantment guys. I had um, the Perforosis emissary, which is the red. Uh, three three can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. I had the blue one, which is three three. Whenever he deals damage, draw a card. Uh, I had an omen speaker, which was retarded. Va- uh, one okay, and then and then other cards. Like I had the, the big blue flyer, Horizon Scholar. I had the Chimera, which does stuff. And anyways, it was good. But the one card that I have to tell you out of all of it that I was like super impressed with, aside from Flame Speaker Adept, is actually Vapor Kit. Which is a two one for blue two or blue one flying can only block creatures with flying. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy's good. And I really didn't think that this guy was going to be that good. I'm like, whatever. You know, I had I think I had one in my first pool, and I'm like, ah, I don't need to play this guy. He's kind of he's kind of weak, and he doesn't really do much. And then I played against uh, Richard Laurie, <laughs> and, and his his pool was like this blue black deck, and I think he had three Vaporkins in his deck. And then a bunch of these other, like, you know, 2x flyers that were all dirt cheap. And proceeded to kill me in four turns with uh, Vaporkin, go, Vaporkin, go, Vaporkin, <laughs> card. Like, and just yep. like, two, 
four, six, you're dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for this card. It's like Stormfront Pegasus, right? It's like a 2-1 flyer for two, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like that walk and turn. Walk and turn. Yeah. Walk and turn, yeah. But it was, uh, it, it does a lot of work in this format. Yeah, in this format, it's really, really strong. So, I, it was awesome. I had such a good time. And, like, playing that deck was so much fun. Um, and I just had a really, really good time hanging out and seeing everybody. And Maddie and I played Two-Headed Giant. We ended up uh, not sucking out. We ended up uh, going 2-2 and making some packs. So that was cool. We had a pretty terrible pool, but at least we got another uh, <laughs> another profit, so I could play that deck. And Maddie got two of the uh, Anal Chlamydia cards. <laughs> what? Uh, Annex and Symede. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Anal Chlamydia is what we were calling it all day. <laughs> so, yeah. It was an awesome time, but it was just so amazing to see so many people. There were so many people that came by and just said hi. You know, and just be like, hey, Scotty, love the show. Or, hey, you know, I actually got more people that said, I really enjoy your stream than people that said, I listen, I really like the podcast. So. So step it up, KYT. I'm just saying. That was whoa. pretty cool. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was cool. Now, of course, there were um, absolutely no, uh, I, there were very, very few people except the people we know that were like, oh, yeah, Heavy Meta, we love that show. <laughs> oh no, oh no. So, Let's not start that rivalry. Again. So it was just like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's Scott's sidekick. Yeah. Yes. It was like, it, it was yeah. pretty funny. I was just joking. But uh, they're like, are you a professional magic player? I'm like, I'm not a professional magic player. There was, you know what? It was fun for me being behind the registration desk. And, and literally, like, it was so busy. My ass got off of that reg desk chair twice like once to pee and once to inhale a sub and that was it um and the rest of the day i was just like taking people's money putting people in were like printing out match slips just it was non-stop um but the thing that made it so much fun and like so rewarding for me was the number of people that were just like man this is just a wicked time and then there was people who were saying like i i haven't been to a pre-release since it was here for Zendikar, like at we did it at the same hotel that the very last regional pre-release was held, um, which was Zendikar, and there was people there who said I I gave up on pre-releases, and I'm as soon as I saw that this was happening, I I signed up because this was so much fun, and there was people there who we we made forty three new DCI cards, like, wow, three people who had never played Magic at a tournament or at like a store before who were playing that on, on that Saturday. It was phenomenal. That says huge things about the event. Now, now did Watsi reach out to you guys at all for like, kind of like doing something like this? I remember seeing on Twitter, like Helene was like, why is everyone talking about regional pre-release? <laughs> so she was interested in what you're saying. Yeah, was... So it was, I had like a bit of a heart attack because um, Charlotte, our head judge, who, who does the uh, JudgeCast North, uh, she was head judging the event and she comes over to me and she's like, uh, just so you know, I may have accidentally started a bit of a PR nightmare. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, what have we done now? Oh, she's man. like, well, I tweeted that we were having a regional pre-release and now Helen is tweeting back, like, what's all this story about regional pre-releases? So just to clear the air, um, 
I, I cooked up this plan at the beginning of the summer thinking like, man, how fun would it be to get a couple smaller stores together? So I started going around to different stores and saying, would you, would you guys, you know, stores that don't have a big space, that don't have a lot of square footage, they can only hold like, you know, 12 or 18 people for Friday Night Magic and would not normally run a pre-release. And I started saying like, would you guys be interested in coming out? Um, and it got to a point where there was, you know, the one store, ANC Games, had signed on. But I was talking with Watsy about it, saying, like, hey, if this is going to fly, I'm going to need extra product, right? Because they only give you so much, and they give you the amount based on the last pre-release you had. And, and the last... they have, like, the, the growth package, too, right? Like, it's your numbers yeah, from yeah. last time. and It's like what you had last time plus a little bit more, if you want. So the last pre-release that the downtown store held was, I think, 12 players. So to say, you know, we're going to go from having 12 players of pre-release product to we want to have enough for 250. Um, I, I wrote them a letter saying like, hey, we're doing this big thing. Help us out. Give us some extra stuff. And they said, well, we, we would love to. That'll probably happen. But I can't guarantee anything until August 25th. And this is at the beginning of August. And I'm like, OK, but I need to book the hotel now or else i'm gonna lose it and they're like yeah well you know what just just cross your fingers and i'm like okay but this is like a lot of money i have to pay for this hotel and and if i don't get this extra product this is gonna be a really lame pre-release And they're like yeah yeah it'll probably be fine don't worry about it and i was like okay all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take it your word here and uh so i i shelled out the cash for the hotel and um Cross my fingers, and luckily, uh, Aaron at Watsi came through for us and got us the extra allocation. And we were able to have a big party, um, but there was like there was like three weeks of sweating bullets. Like, oh good lord, please, please, oh please, let this happen, because uh, that could have been a gong show, <laughs> to say the least. Gong show. But it was, uh, you know what, it was fun to see that, you know what, you, we took a leap and Watsi backed us. And it's really cool to see that evolution from Wizards' side, where they're more willing to try something new. They're seeing that it's, this is something that's going to benefit the community overall. It's going to draw new players out. It's going to encourage people to play more Magic, which is what they want, right? And it's what, what all of us want. Um, and so it was really cool to see us take the steps to make that happen and then them support it. And then even just like Scott, like having you and Maddie on board, getting more people like talking about it and supporting it, it, it wouldn't have been possible without all the various pieces that went in together. Um, and so it, it was really, really, you know, to get schmaltzy with it. It was really beautiful to see that all those pieces come together and, and create a great event. And I really, really encourage other stores and tos and and like people playing magic to take risks like that um because watsi's at a point right now where they want people to play more magic and if you're willing to try something new and different and exciting uh chances are they're going to stand by you as long as you go through the proper channels give them notice on it give them a detailed plan of what you want to do and why you want to do it and how it's going to be awesome and and then support it um, and and chances are they'll step up and support you too. Sweet. 
Yeah. Now, uh, you know, just I, I, I like the business side behind, you know, the, the stores and stuff like that. I've always been interested. Having it at the hotel, does that like cut into your prize pool? Like how do you how do you add that cost into running your tournament that, you know, you normally would do at like your brick and mortar? So uh, we basically the way I tackled that was a, a couple of things. Um, we we got a, one vendor signed on and they obviously paid us um, a couple yeah. hundred bucks to be there, which was good for them because they got access to all these pre-release cards um, that normally stores would, you know, even online retailers and stuff would have to wait a week for. So yeah. they built some inventory. Um, and then... Sure, it was it was still costing us a lot, but what we did was we basically said the first event you play in the day, you pay a five dollar premium on. So the first event oh, of the day okay. was thirty bucks, and then each event you played after was only twenty five, and that was a way of of saying like, hey, you know what? We're in this big comfortable hotel. We've got great air conditioning. There's you know water, and you know we're somewhere central, um, and nobody was really like, oh, what's this extra five dollars about? Come on, like. Everyone was pretty understanding of that. Um, and taking that extra five bucks helped pad that loss. And and we yeah. still did take a loss on the venue, um, but we made it up in advertising, right? I mean, I'll, I'll just write off that difference as, as we, you know, we were, we had a fantastic event. People enjoyed themselves and people are going to come out for the next one. Um, and, and the, the way, the way Watsi works with pre-release the more people you have at your pre-release, yeah. the more free stuff they give you for your next pre-release. So even though we, we had a very small pre-release in the past, we were only getting like one free box of boosters. Next time around, they might give us five or six free boxes of boosters to give away as prize support. Um, so long in the long run, it's, it's going to pay for itself. Or it, it's, we're going to make it back little by little, right? Um, and, and, and there's, there's no way you can put a number on that, on that PR and that advertising. Like there were so many people who were saying like, man, like I've never even heard of you guys. You guys have a store. That's so cool. Like, yeah, I just saw that my friends were going on Facebook and, and here I am. And now I'm totally coming out to play F and M with you guys, you know? So sometimes taking that risk and, and making, you know, having it be a bit of a loss leader, um, is, is going to work out for you in the long run. No, that's awesome. That's 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 really you know smart in that sense. And even just looking down at the tournaments down the road, just where that puts you in, in as far as allocation, because I know that's kind of the area where our stores get hurt. Is you know they they maximize their allocation very early, and you know it upsets people. Like the tournament I went and played in, they were paying out most of their packs in like Return to Ravnica. Ugh. Ugh. You know, like so, it's just like. <laughs> It's super awkward because it's like, really? Like, I just went to a midnight pre-release and played for five hours and got two packs of Theros? <laughs> Ugh. You know, like... <laughs> so... Oh, I'll be back! Don't yeah. worry! M14? What? Oh, but you, you know what it came oh. into is that there's two stores in this chain that run the events, and one store in the chain last tournament, like at Dragon's Maze, they gave out a box of Modern Masters to the guy who won their pre-release. Oh. So they had, like, infinite people at their event. They had, like, 90 people show up to their pre-release. So Jeez. they got a giant, like, 
I, I guess like their their bonus, whatever you can do it, like your boat your 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 growth package. I guess their growth package was something like eight boxes that they could buy additional or something like that. Yeah. So the store that the other store in that chain didn't do that, got you know upset that the other guy did that, got his regular numbers, and he was only able to get like two boxes for his growth package. So you know the other store. Everyone's still saying, like, wow, I don't know why we went to this store when we could have went to the other store that gave out the great prize last time, but at least this time they still gave out those packs. So it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I kind of understand what you're talking about and really seen it and hadn't really put all the pieces together. And it's just like super awkward because you got one guy who's trying to, you know, do something risky, trying to take that, 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 do that loss leader, as you uh, said, and is really getting paid for it. And the other guy who's just kind of like stuck in his ways and doing it the way he's always done it, and he's falling behind now. So uh, I, I really like what you're doing there, and it's going to be a matter of just kind of going out and just like saying, okay, like let's put this all together and see where you guys are failing. But I do know that uh, they've been talking about having the two stores come together and go out and rent a venue and kind of do what you did. Uh, and I, I figure if they did that and talked to some of the stores, they might be able to get some buy in. But uh, Edmonton is kind of. There's a couple factions, and they don't play very nicely with each other. So let's let's talk a bit about that because that's not like a new concept that stores don't get along, right? I mean, it's it's an age old fact of business that when you have competing, you know, here's a store yeah. store X sells magic and runs magic tournaments, and store Y also sells magic and runs magic tournaments. So they are in direct competition with each other, and it's not to say that stores in Toronto aren't in competition with each other. Like, obviously, we're all trying to earn money, right? We're all trying to get the bottom line. Um, but there's ways of doing these events and, and working together that help everybody. Well, I think it's like just trying to recognize that this isn't a zero-sum game. That if you have five more people at your pre-release, you're not taking five people from another guy's pre-release. You know, you could very well be getting five brand new people. You could be signing up the 40-some-odd brand new DCI cards that you did at your event. Yeah. And, like, that's got to be the goal is, you know, I want more DCI cards. I want new people into the community, new blood. There was um, the, 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 the Primrose Hotel where we hosted the event is at Carlton and Jarvis, which is literally... Uh, like a six six to ten minute walk, depending on how fast you walk, from uh, 401 Games, which is arguably one of the biggest magic stores in Toronto. And I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. moved into a brand new venue. Um, they've got like a whole basement that is just nerdtopia now. Um, it's wow. it's kind of hot, sweaty dungeon-esque, but there's room for more people <laughs> than um, they can They can like at a squeeze fit like 60 or 70 people down there. I think they had 80 once and it was crazy. Um, even though we were like 10 minutes away doing this huge, big regional pre-release, they still had a lineup out the door and had to turn people away from their events because they, they just couldn't fit any more people in the building. Like they had people playing in the aisles um, of the board game section of the store simply because there was nowhere else to put them. Um, but they didn't want to turn people away. So it just shows that, like, it's not like we stole all hundred of their customers and got them to come play at our event. Like, they were, they were completely separate. Um, and and there is room for growth always. And when you work together, sometimes you find that 
more people come out of the woodwork and more people come and participate at these events and and uh it's it's good for everyone yeah i i think it's got to be a case of you know even in a way kind of weeding out the bad apples also because like i i do know in edmonton there are stores that will work together but there are some stores that will kind of take and not give back so mm-hmm. it, that like we have like situations where it's like uh PTQs changed hands. The guys who were running them before weren't really getting the best review and it switched hands to a different store and that store has been doing better, but like that store had been providing, you know, helping out by bringing boxes to the other store for PTQ and stuff like that and helping out with, you know, product supply and making sure that, you know, it all worked out. And then they kind of got the favor returned by having the other store, like try to run like cash tournaments and modern masters tournaments and stuff like that at the same time as like the PTQ. So it was just like, it's, yeah. it's so yeah. awkward to kind of see like that behavior. And like, I, I think that like, you know, that's what makes doing what you did very difficult because if you don't get kind of the buy-in, if you don't get the cooperation, it's kind of, you know, leaves yourself vulnerable to somebody to try and torpedo what you're doing. Like, it sounds like, you know, you've got kind of a, a good handle on what all the other stores are doing in your area and, you know, almost like a, a blessing. Like, that's probably where you get your whole Godfather title from. <laughs> well, my Godfather title comes from many places. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, that's you know what that whole mentality of let's run a big ass tournament on the same day as your big ass tournament so that we can both lose. Um, that to me, that's so just like juvenile sandbox. <laughs> you know, that's that's my Tonka truck. You know, I, I it's not to say that um, that can't work because sometimes yeah, we ran a better event. Ha ha ha. But. I mean, I accidentally scheduled this big event for October 12th on the same day as another big event on October 12th. And uh, it's, I'm, like, upset about it. I feel bad that I did that. And we're trying to work with the other TOs, like, how do we not split the middle, you know? like. But there's there's so many... There's so many people who want to play Magic these days. Like, there's, yeah. like, infinite Magic players. Why do we need to fight over them? Like, there can be a major event every single weekend these days in Toronto and they will all be well attended. Um, and it's cool to see that evolution because a year ago there was like one big tournament all summer. Um, and that was awesome. It was a great tournament. I was judging at it. That was like one of my first events that I judged. But now this past summer, like there was the MDSS and then the day later there was the eight person standard for a lotus and then the week after that there was a huge ass thing for like two thousand dollars prize at at fan expo and the week before that there was a huge thing at coins unlimited and like there's just these enormous events all the time but because the tos are playing nice and like oh hey there's a big event on that weekend i'll pick a different weekend um that's really started to like People can like arrange their schedule. Like I'm doing this, and then next weekend I'm gonna go rock this thing, and then once I win all that money, I'm gonna go to Vegas. But then I'm gonna come back and play this big tournament. And, um, it's 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 worked really well for the community here. Yeah. yeah, there's just been so many events that I actually had to take a break, so my brain just didn't like kept looking forward to the next thing, and I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've I've had to turn some down too, um, just because as much as I love it, you know, sometimes you got to go apple picking with the two year old, and you know, that's also really important. Um, so we're doing that on Sunday. It's gonna be awesome. Cool. Even though there's a GPT that I'd really like to be running. <laughs> <laughs> what city is it for? Uh, Toronto. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's for yeah. like. Weeville or some shit. It's really, yeah. It's, oh, okay. it's a standard GPT. It's the reason I'm sad to be missing it is because this is like going to be the first standard GPT of the new format, ah. and lo- our our local player, um, the the huge ass PTQ we ran on June fifteenth was actually spiked by this guy who had he's been playing Magic for like six months. He has no idea. He just showed up with like this Gruel aggro deck. It's like totally took down the ptq wins and he's like oh now i've got like a plane ticket to ireland i don't even know like i don't even own magic cards i was just borrowing this deck like what do i even do you know i just and so i've been like i've we've like taken him under our wing and we're trying to like help him out get to where he you know help him practice you know a couple of the like local canadians who've been doing this for a while and have gone to pro tours before are helping him out too so he's coming out to this event and we're gonna try to like i want to help him get as much practice as he can before ireland on the 12th or you know 11th 12th 13th you know because we want him to do well obviously you know he's gonna he's gonna be playing on a hairy tarantula play mat we got special play mats made how come he's got playmats and we don't have playmats? His playmats are pretty sweet, too. It's got, like, a giant spider crashing out of, like, an ancient Greek temple. Like, yeah. Boss. Custom art. Yeah, we very could nice. have a spider. We don't need a spider, but we could have a spider. <laughs> we are don't even know if you're the fourth member yet, Jeremy. Jeez. We're going to finalize that shit before we get a playmat. I mean, we already had to, like... If you Burn wait 25 episodes, cards. I'm literally only going to have, like, 14 episodes before I'm supposed to quit. That's you right. do understand that the probation period is greater than half the contract, <laughs> based on the fourth seat rules. We, we've had to burn all the Medina tokens, so... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Should have seen not, that fire. Wow. Let's not, not do that again. <laughs> Oh man, people who'd who'd been like specking on Medina tokens and got them all like signed. Uh, 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 they're so mad right now. From the way it sounds, you probably want to get your Jeremy tokens if they ever make them because it sounds like it'll be a short run. <laughs> yeah, limited edition. Like the alpha. You're like the alpha token. But not in a good way. Yeah, because I made them myself, but I couldn't cut the corners right. Like, that's what it's going to (laughs) be. The Jeremy token, cutting corners. Yeah, was a... Well, that's awesome. So, how was your pre-release, guys? Like, how did you do? Yeah, enough about me and Scott. What did you do? I know. Ours was the nut. That happens. Move on. KYT, you go. So, of course, I I went to my local stores just... Closer to my house. And check swing? Or check, <laughs> check swing. People mentioned that, Scott, it's funny. People mentioned, I think you actually, like, I'm not sure, accidentally, like, name dropped them during, like, the Man of Pride party, possibly. And, and people are like, what? I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, in the one in Montreal. But, uh, yeah, I went there, went 2 2, 
with my blue red no blue white splash red for lightning strike and magma jet i think are the two cards i splashed for what what uh, color was your pre-release pack i chose so so i decided to to choose the most powerful card as i've talked about uh i think last episode so, uh celestial archon i think is yeah. uh what well, was considered by many pros the best card and i was just like eh, even if the rest of the pack isn't that great you know i'll still uh, the rest of the color sorry isn't that great i'll still take like this guy over you know definitely over the green one and um it's definitely more bombish in a, in a format with that is very weak to flyers like scott mentioned uh, earlier like you can really just go all the way with like turn two two one turn three two two and it's, there's not a lot of things that can answer even a turn five four four first strike um that you can really put a clock on the opponent so that's why i went white on the but, top of the green pre-release packs, if anyone wants to pick some up, we've got lots. They're going to be ball spikes, <laughs> nice and cheap. Let us know. I just want to know if anyone won, like, went XO with, with the green uh, choice and actually, like, won a game using the, the uh, land, the creature-making ability. I can tell you I won a game with a creature-making ability. That is sweet. Like, My bug deck, I picked the green one because I knew that <laughs> I knew that the the non like all the other cards in green were going to be good, and mm-hmm. like I knew I wanted to be in either green black or green white, um, or even green blue. Like I, I'd be happy with that with any of those combinations, um, just because like the mid range fat on it's very good. Like the Nessian Corsair common is a really big one. Um, a lot of their removal is actually very good, like being able to have two cards that destroy. Uh, enchantments and artifacts. One of them is an instant, oh, yeah. and you scry with it, and the other just straight up exiles that shit. Yep. Is very good. The look on someone's face when they play the eight mana ten ten, and then like monstrosity it for ten, <laughs> and then you just like oh, and then how's he? He's just gonna go on a vacation to exile. <laughs> that, that that's a priceless look or yeah. or if you grip tied it back on top then it's like man yeah that's what, that guy's so bad that's why still, now i gotta climb it all over again all that work god damn it he reminds me of the there's this m14 card that's sort of like it it's like really it's an artifact that's like really high cost yeah it only seven mana thing yeah. or thingamajiggy yeah, only activates. Or yeah, only it activates when the opponent attacks or something. It's like like these cards are like always like terrible. <laughs> you want them to be good because they're such good value, and then you just get unsummoned, and you're like, motherfuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But in retrospect, after playing going to two, and then um, I went to another local s- store called Menards. Went four one with a red green deck. I had. Uh, Two copies. This is one of the first cards that Scott showed me um, while we were during uh, Jay's wedding trip. The, the hammer, the red hammer. I had two copies of it. Oh dear! And, and just to be able to draw it consistently, and it's just it's just a house. I mean, regardless of what your opponent has, you just start making infinite three threes, basically, and puts so much pressure on the opponent that. Uh, you know, they just they just die, and I I also had the green god in that deck, so um, nice. it was a very solid red green deck. In retrospect, I think if I had to do it all over again, if we were playing for like keeps and money, I might take the blue one because yeah. 
I've won like on the next day I played two headed giant. I went I I built the blue deck and, and that guy just wins so many games and it's probably the scariest card to look from a, from the other side of the table. You're just like he's just gonna win once he hits eight mana. So the other thing too is you gotta understand, like Voyage End and Griptide are insane. Yeah. Like there's such there's such blowouts yeah. in this format. They're unconditional tempo plays that are very, very powerful. Uh, especially when we're looking at like suiting Voltrons up or we're looking at you know, like like the, think of the amount of, of value you get just by even, you know, um Voyage is ending a guy with like three friggin' bestow creatures on it. Like sure, you're turning it into three little guys, but like you're not taking a million and he spent a billion mana to put that shit together. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the blue in this format too. That's why I picked blue for my second pack. It's very good. Plus, all the flyers are insane. Like the yeah. big flyers, they're all good. There's just not many answers unless the other the opponent is also blue um, to these yeah. flyers. And, and like you said, all all these white white things. I mean, all these other white white. Why am I saying white? <laughs> all these other blue commons and uncommons are insane. And I think I'm saying white because the sickest deck I saw um, this past week. Um, played against my infamous friend Fred that I've won forty bucks off of. If you guys remember from a previous episode, um, and my friend Tom is he made like we played sealed against each other with the packs that we won from the pre-releases, and he built the sickest blue-white heroic deck, and he had like copies yeah. of cards that target two creatures, so he was getting even more value, and it just seemed like the sickest deck. It honestly seemed like the sickest deck because he had um, the plus two, plus two to all your guys, and he had the plus three, plus three to two of your guys, and it also like sort of does a mini frost breath effect. That card is so good. Yeah. And he had the white, white, and common. If you target heroic, all your guys get plus one, plus one counters on it. It just actually seemed unbeatable, and he played the two, two gold guy, Azorius, where... If he attacks you, he hits you, exile the top card. Yeah. Uh something of Daxos. Yeah. Um Daxos of Militis? Yeah, sure, that sounds better, yeah. And Daxos. it's Shaheen Sarani's playing him in his sideboard of his blue eyed control <laughs> a blue eyed red control deck. Okay. Cause I was playing black blue and at my two slot I had two of those three three guys that I really like. That you know, those defender guys that you can attack with them later. Yeah. But this just slices through them, so I'm like, awkward. That <laughs> he could just attack through them and get a lot of value. So, yeah. blue white heroic, man. I'm I'm expecting someone to have a sick deck, uh, blue white heroic de- deck in at the Pro Tour. It's just, it's just really insane. I think it's actually funny you should say that because there is um, I played against somebody. Where are you? There. Um, I'm gonna tell you who it is because I don't. Yeah, he he. I er, he was in the MDSS Toronto top eight. It was David Ledvinka, and he's also a kid that I think plays regularly at your store, right, Kelly? David's the boss, man. That kid's awesome. So so he came in. Uh, he came in. He made top eight of MDSS Toronto with John. But like Dude. he he was playing similar thing. It was just like the most insane blue white heroic deck I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was just like all of these like ordeal ordeal, and then like. The auras are just really big. You know, and he's like, Celestial Archon, Celestial Archon. I'm like, fuck. There's no beating that. So, so yeah, it's good. Wow. Quick, quick note about David. 
David is one of these kids, he's like 16, 17, something like that. And the number of times he has paid for events in change is just like a it's just like a $20 event. And he's just got like nickels, dimes, quarters, and loonies. And I just get this look like you just crashed your piggy bank for this event, didn't you? Like, man, I hope you get there. Because if anyone broke their piggy bank to play this event, they fucking better win. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. He's awesome. I need to do that. <laughs> Spent all my cash on Type 2, and it's just like, please, I gotta win. Like all my money on the one. hero in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm very excited um, for this weekend, because uh, after the success of the last uh set what what uh face to face games did was host a team trio sealed and i think we got a very more than a decent showing at that one at their store um yep. that we're going to they're running it back for this weekend and my i'm actually excited to play uh team trio sealed uh with Tom and Fred and hopefully we can like i won the last one with uh Peter and Justin um but Peter has decided to uh help out another friend for this one so you know, we'll have to switch switch teams around, and we'll see how I do. But, you know, the, the format is really sweet. I think Team Trios has always been a success every time we've hosted in Montreal, and we're hoping – and, like, when I played at GP Providence, it was sick. So that's something I hope to see more of in the future. So, Jeremy, how was your pre-release experience? Uh, it was good. I, uh, I uh, did a Friday night midnight uh, pre-release. So we did four rounds. We had about 45-ish people. Um, and it was, uh, I took the white pack. And in my white pack, I opened up like a Master of Waves and a whole bunch of like really cool stuff. Like I had like the heroic deck. I had the white heroic deck and it was like a lock. And I had looked at the green stuff and I had a really good back-end green. So like the heroic cards from that, some of the, you know, two guys get a, a bonus type stuff from green. And I was looking <laughs> at that and I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm happy with this, but it didn't, it, it felt fair. Uh, but, you know, I was running like the Flanix leader. I had the, the two one Savannah lion guy. I had uh, a couple of the flyers um, that were all heroic. So just like a lot of like, um, just a lot of good stuff, and it just it, it it still felt entirely fair. Like I didn't have anything too crazy, and I started looking at the blue cards, and I was very much seeing what you guys were talking about, where it's like, oh, okay, I can bounce things, I can <laughs> frost breath offensively or defensively or whatever the hell you do with it. I can uh, they they had the auras that you cast it, draw a card, if the creature dies, you draw a card, like, just all these, like, really cool things, and then I had a lot of bestow also, so making my guys flying and stuff, so I played that, I went 2-1-1, one, and one. Uh, the match I lost was because Buddy went uh, KYT preview card on three both games, um, the game <laughs> yeah, that I drew, hero. yeah, the game I drew, uh, Buddy fabled heroed me on turn three, all three games, but I Hollywooded his ass to turns, and it drew. Sorry. Oh, what? what? <laughs> okay, so I keep an opening hand, and it was like a six-card opener, and it was a uh, Planix leader, and I think it was the 
plus zero plus two enchantment that drew you a card. And I had lots of scry and lots of stuff in my deck. And I'm just like, I, I think I got to keep this. You know, like I've got a lot of small guys. Flanx Leader is like one of the best cards in my deck. And I've got another draw and I've got lots of scry in here. I think I got to keep this. And my opponent just like goes nutso. He drops the 2-1 flyer guy. He drops the, um, the, 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 the hero, whatever, the fabled hero guy. And he's just got it all on the board. But he's afraid to attack me because he knows that I have uh, two of the... What is that? Four mana white kill spell, uh, an attacking D creature. Divine Verdict. I have two Divine Verdict. So he hits on three. I sit there, and as soon as like four mana hits, he stops attacking with the, the hero. Because I keep my four mana open. It's like, okay, he thinks I have the verdict. I don't. All I've got is four lands in my hand, because all I did was draw land. Like, I literally played every spell the second I drew it, aside from the the three mana, the three mana flyer heroic. I played that, I drew it on turn six, and I played it on turn seven, because I wanted to hold it in my hand one turn, so that when I cast it, I would still have four mana untapped. And I literally played the whole thing, and it even got to points in the game where it's like, okay, the only way that I can win this game is if I give him the all-out attack and present him with a kill on board just so that I can get a few extra points of damage in. And I do that, and he looks at it, and it's like, all he needs to do is turn his card sideways, and I lose. If he just turns him sideways, I'm dead. But he's sitting there, and he's like, uh, and he makes like a, like a really, really conservative... How many creatures have? Yeah. Oh. He literally curved out on me. He had like six creatures on the border, and I had like two. Attacking. <laughs> like, yeah, like, if he was just like, going aggressive, but he was just like, attacking me with the Welkin turn. Like, he was just all up on the Welkin turn, and then I managed to uh, nail the uh, the Celestial person, the Celestial guy, on the board. So it's like, I got the first strike angel, so he doesn't want to attack into that and just lose a guy. And, you know, like, he had, like, a little chumpy nobodies, but he also had, like, some decent beat sticks out. So I just sat there, and I went, and the craziest part was he had six mana, he cast the uh, Kraken or whatever, the blue rare yeah. that you got. And he's got two cards in hand, and I'm sitting there playing around, uh, you know, any sort of trick that he could possibly have, but I'm still trying to get, you know, damage through, because it's like, if this guy decides he wants to win the game, he wins the game. There's nothing I can do to stop him. So I'm still trying to, like, sneak some points of damage in and leave, like, really obvious openings, hoping to, like, get them with my Divine Verdict that does not exist. I had nothing. I was just sitting on lands. So he sits there and he drops the guy, and he's got six mana, and he's got two cards in hand, and I attack and he does nothing. And then he doesn't attack me, like, all out, doesn't do anything. So it's like, I don't know what two cards he could possibly have in his hand that he's not committing to the board to just finish this game. But what it turns out is, as we're playing through turns, and this guy's actually a good player. He was sitting on two lands. He had two lands in his hand. He refused to put them onto the board and make his guy monstrous to just lock down whatever game I, put, like, I, I could pretend to have. And he just sat on them. He just forgot that his card had Monstrous. Or uh, when it went Monstrous, it, you know, won the game. Like, that's what the blue guy does. If you Monstrous this card, you win the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun just, like, sitting there and, like, just creating these situations where it's, like, one point I did the all-out attack type thing, didn't give myself enough blockers. He's sitting there trying to figure out attackers. He sits there and moves to, like, attack with a guy that I just can't, like, I can't win if he attacks with them. So I sit there and I go and I, like, pick up an island and put it right down really quick. Like, kind of make it seem like I was getting ready to jump the gun a little bit. Like, <laughs> I felt like it was, like, the most terrible acting, but it was, like, it worked. 
And like when the game was over, like the his buddy on the other side of the table was like, "Man, you should have played the land and done that so that you could get around his trick. You would have tapped all of his guys, and you would have had enough beaters anyways. Like you wouldn't have had to worry about the trick in his hand." And it's like I had nothing. I had nothing that entire game. I came with zero, and they're like, "Wow, yeah, yeah." So I was happy. That was like as much as I like got my two packs of Theros for staying up till five o'clock in the morning. Um, I at least got to like do a really good Hollywood round. Like it made me feel like a, a pro, um, you know, a pro that didn't win anything, but whatever. Uh, then I went back on the Sunday and I played. I took the red deck because uh, I guess the the color pack that you got. The only mythic it could have in there was the god, so I was like, let's just go for value. Let's try and get a phosphorus. And uh, I opened one, so I was really happy with my decision to pick red. Uh, and I got another heroic deck. I had the the anal chlamydia that you were talking about. Um, <laughs> so I had that guy, and I just had a whole bunch of heroic cards. So I just played the same deck, essentially, and I lost to Fabled Hero again. So Wow, my, my preview, yeah, seriously. Man. Yeah, Fuck seriously. You. Yeah, I could not get that card. Like, it was not in my pool, and it was in everybody's pool who beat me. <laughs> like, I only dropped matches to Fabled Hero. <laughs> like, that card was just the bane of my existence. It's, That's hilarious. You asked me, like, what is That's the best cool. best card in this set for limited? I'd say Fabled Hero, hands down. Not close. Not close. Zero <laughs> percent not close. That card is the best. It is nutty. It does everything. <laughs> Wow. Well, if if we're talking Fabled Hero, I'll share my... Although I didn't get a chance to play any pre-release events, what I always tell my regulars is save the packs that you win at pre-release. Bring them back on Monday, which is our regular draft night at the store, and we'll draft the packs that you guys all won at pre-release, and we'll get to draft the new set before it's actually live. That's totally okay with Wizards, just for disclaimer, they're okay with they know about it, it's all fine. As long as I'm not selling shit, it's all good. Did you sanction the draft too? Uh, no, you can't officially sanction, uh, I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but Wizards, do not check word, do not check word. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, I'm not sure. I abstain. I plead the Uh, fifth. We don't have a fifth. (laughs) (laughs) But but I I opened the, like, arch nemesis of the fabled hero, the the black 3-2 death touch guy that whenever he gets targeted, the opponent sacks a dude. Strictly worse. No. Oh, that guy's fucking annoying. No. No, Fabled hero, way better. The thing is absolutely insane on that's bonkers. So anytime I played that card, you don't play him on three, because on three then he's just like a giant crosshairs over his head. But I would wait till I could like play him, follow it up with some freaking bestow shit, and people are just looking at it like, oh, now I have to sack a guy? And then I'm like, yeah? And then they're like, all right, well, cool. And then, like, on the next turn, I'd be like, and now, like, giant growth them and some other shit? And they're like, oh, so I have to sack, like, three guys this turn? All right. And it was just, like, a game ender. Every single time I played it, totally, it was, like, a totally fair magic game turned into a complete gong show because I yeah. But the white guy is still the abyss. 
Yeah. But he attacks with him, and it's like, okay, if I don't block him, he double pumps him, and I lose. Like, he just, he just randomly does 20 points of damage. It's like, oh, it sucks, I lose a creature. Of course I lose a creature. Fine. You play your white guy, and make you sack him a turn You'll later. Be dead before you cast him. So, so, here's, so let me ask. It sounds like we've got two very differing experiences in terms of formats. Like, Although Jeremy, let me ask you a question, yeah. so maybe we yeah. can get like the, yeah. the 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 real balance and clarity. Yeah. So, how long were the games that you played? How long did the games last in the ones where you saw Fabled Hero played against you on turn three? How many turns later did the game end? It was about a five-hour tournament that I played about forty-five minutes of Magic at. <laughs> okay. Now, the games that you played, because you had an aggressive deck, right? Yes. Okay. And so did almost everybody. Really? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, KYT, what about you? I, I think I, I think so. I think I have the same uh, feeling as Jeremy, though. You know, there there are other people that that had slower decks, but you know, the most of the decks that I played were really aggressive. Like, I had the Richard Laurie type deck, turn two, turn three, turn four flyers, and just kill you in like a few turns. So, so it was pretty fast for me. It's interesting because I feel like this format is if the if the game's not over by turn five, turn six, it's going to turn thirty. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's very like uh, Rise of Eldrazi ish, like that. Yeah, but it's neat because it's like, but it can still be over by turn four, like it was in Zendikar. So, yeah. like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, like that's the thing is I don't feel like I'm very good at this format, but I love it. Like, I am going to play the hell out of this. That's what I've said, too. Like, I really, really enjoyed playing games of Magic and Theros this weekend. Like, I really enjoyed it. Have any of you drafted yet? No. No. Get, Radically get different. Get to a draft, man. Like, I, I, I didn't play pre-release sealed, so I'm maybe not a good judge. But I had a fucking sweet-ass time drafting. It was so cool to have the, like, power of grease in my hands like greasy hands yeah greasy theros hands i think i'm going to try and do a sealed online once the set comes out i think i'm going to try and do a sealed online like at least every second day like i just i want to grind a ton of sealed i think that this wow. is like, going to be a nutty sealed format i think draft draft just seems obscene to me like, i feel just... like there's going to be a million different archetypes like this oh, yeah. is going to be one of those where we're just going to keep finding new decks yeah absolutely I think that's what's going to keep it spicy, too. And speaking of sealed, it is sealed PTQ season. Exactly. So uh, find excuses to play sealed. And this, I... GP Toronto. GP Toronto is Theros sealed. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So (laughs) there's even more reasons to practice. Here's what I was going to say about frickin' PTQs, okay? okay? So... PTQs are like the the pinnacle of magic events at a local level, right? There's GPs and Pro Tours and shit, and yeah, those are great when they show up, but you can't rely on them. PTQs, you know, are coming every single season. And it's, it used to be that there was like this Marvopoly in Ontario, or I'm not sure what it was called out, out, out west, but like where one TO got to run all the PTQs. Yeah, and it was it, Jason Ness out here. 
So exactly. we didn't care. So <laughs> Jason's had, awesome. <laughs> exactly. You guys had it good, and and I'm sad that you guys had to lose that, and I'm sad yeah. for Jason and Mike that they had to lose that. Um, but it was people like not gonna name any names, but it was people like the Ontario crew that ruined it for the people who are actually doing a good job, like out west. Um, and what we now have is this system where wizards has said like instead of like this super tight rigid structure where only one to gets to run all the ptqs now we're gonna give a ptq to like any old advanced store that has had a a grand prix trial in the last year um like to totally out them legends warehouse who are having their first ever ptq on october 5th they've run like two competitive events ever in history like they hired me as a head judge of a GPT for Quebec City, and then like one other GPT, and they have like 380 people at their pre-releases, and that's it. Like they don't know squat about running events. And John has done like a really good job of being like, I don't fucking know what's going on. I'm gonna find people who do and get them to help me with this. So like, props to him. But we're in this limbo where like any old schmuck could get a PTQ and it could be a disaster. And I just want to encourage players to, if you, if it looks like a TO is doing their darndest to make a PTQ fly, go out and support that. Even if it's like a bit out of your way or you have to like, you know, not go for beers with your bros that day. Instead, go play magic with your bros and do that but like give new tos a shot because if you don't give them the opportunity then their event's gonna suck and no one's gonna show up and then and then it's gonna look bad on them even if they did a great job and so people gotta sort of take a leap of faith unless unless the event actually looks like crap if the event really does look like crap then don't go but if the event looks like it's gonna be halfway decent give it a shot that's yeah that's- like Alberta, we got punished because we had, like, the terrible PTQs. Like, we have a, a PTQ that was affectionately referred to as Sweatbox. And it was held in an old bank building in a concrete room in the basement where there was no AC. Jesus. And they, like, they jammed it. I, I, I'm pretty sure we broke fire code. Oh, for and sure. It was, like, disgustingly, like, just, it was the most disgusting tournament I've ever been to. Like, it was hilarious because you could tell... Like when people are finishing their match because nobody stayed in there, everyone went outside. So there's just a bunch of people like milling around on the side of the road, like in between rounds. Someone would run outside and say, "Okay, rounds are posted," and then you go right back down into the sweat box. But we stopped going to those events, and then they took away our PTQ. So oh. like that's where we got it bad because we're back up to two PTQs, which we have the numbers to support. But like being at one PTQ and then also being in Alberta. Where it's like, oh, if we want to drive to the nearby PTQ, it's like... Road trip to Winnipeg, yeah. Yeah, well, Winnipeg is... We we kind of have it nice that, you know, Winnipeg is like one of our road trip PTQs. Because they get like 20 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I grew up in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. Winnipeg's my home turf. But yeah. uh, I but know Col- the community there is like sad. Yeah, Kelowna started getting them in BC, so that's not too bad of a drive. But, like, our guys will drive out to Vancouver, we'll drive to Seattle, drive and hit up, like, Montana and Utah and all those places just because 
that's what we need to do to get our PTQs. And I think that's the reason why, like, Alberta, like, places pretty high on moto PTQs all the time, because we just don't get enough. So Yeah. But, I, like, I, that's I like exactly the thing, is that, like, if a TO does a good job, go to it, support it, tell people that you enjoyed it, like, tell Wizards that you had a good time. Like, I know I saw a lot of, like, positive people, like, posting about your event, like, your crazy event there. Like, I, I would have to imagine, like, a massive event like that would usually be, like, one of those, like, almost nightmares, you know? Like, it's busted your ability to, like, run the event properly. It's it's killed your logistics. Like, normally those things turn into a negative very quickly, but it was nothing but positive that was, you know, out in Twitter. So, you know, like, kudos to you. Let me say about that event, so, like, there was a moment where we had, like, 212 people entered in were, and I'm looking at the computer being like, 212, that's a really, like, that's sort of what I was expecting. And then I looked up, and there was, like, a, a lineup out the door still. Like, we're in a gymnasium. We're in a 7,000-foot gymnasium, and the lineup is still out the door. And I'm like, sweet Jesus, what is happening? Like, what is going on here? And then, like, 40 minutes later, we finally get through the lineup, and I'm like, oh, thank God. What are we at now? And someone was like, we looked at the computer, it's like 308. I'm like, wow, that's a huge PTQ. And then I looked down, and the pre-registration binder that I had had was sitting there, and I'm like, did we already enter the pre-registrations? And the scorekeeper looks up, and they're like, no, no, I I, I forgot about those. I, I guess I should enter those other, like, 60 names now, eh? And I'm like... <laughs> Jesus! Yes, you should do it now. Go, but um, yeah. It, I mean, I I wrote an article that's up on Mana Deprived about how to run enormous events and uh, fucking good article. You guys, yeah, it, it was, I I I just like sat down and wrote it. I didn't expect anything to come from it, and now it's like linked on Wizards website for new TOs and shit like that. Like it's like I'm, I'm a writer or something. It's crazy. Um, but, but, you know, if, if you're wondering how we held it all together, cause like you said, Jeremy, it, it definitely was, there was a moment where I was like, this is, we're fucked. Like we're going to end at two in the morning and everyone's going to be pissed off and everyone's going to want their money back and it's going to be the worst event ever. Um, but somehow we held it all together and, uh, you know, a lot of that is good planning and a lot of that is good, hiring good judges and staff and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was it was that was a gong show. It was sweet. Yeah, it was uh really fun. Like you know, just even like kind of what you're saying there. I had gotten a chance to talk to uh, Sean Catanese, I think is his last name, the guy who is like the regional judge for Vegas, and him talking about like you know how Vegas was going along and like mm-hmm. just those moments where it was like, oh God, we can't do this, like. Uh, you know, like when they had to like cut off their registrations and stuff like that. That was like at the judges' call because they just didn't have enough judges and like just like little things like that that players just don't take for, you know, they they don't consider. So uh, yeah. it's you know really cool that you're putting together these big tournaments, but like it's even more so when you think of like everything that has to go into them. Vegas, Vegas was like a mind blowing event. Um, I, I was judging at Vegas. I was, you know, I'm a level two judge, so I get to go to some of these big, sweet events. But Vegas was like, it, it was, it was truly like an American experience. It was, it was truly Vegas because like everything is larger than life in Vegas, right? And so are the Magic tournaments, apparently, because it, it just didn't stop. Like 
when I walked in on Friday morning and there's just like a lineup out the door and you know, I'm, I'm like three and a half hours early for my shift and I walk in and they're like, Hey, you want to start now? Okay, great. Put your shirt on. Let's go. Like we need you right now. I'm like, okay. Um, and it wound up being a phenomenal weekend. I, we've all talked about Vegas. I don't need to ramble on about it. <laughs> it was crazy. Sweet. <laughs> Yummy beer. So, KYT, anything new and exciting? No, no. Nothing, huh? Nothing. Uh, it's all under the lid. Um, as well, it's 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 now common knowledge that uh, Moro Bongiovanni is uh, the TO for uh, GP Montreal and uh, GP Ottawa. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been talking to him, had dinner with him tonight because he wanted to see uh what uh Matt and Prive can and and himself can put together to make these the most awesome GPs ever. So um stay tuned. There's nothing concrete, but uh we've we've discussed some ideas, so I'm fairly excited, I guess. So <laughs> there's something to look forward to. Nothing I can talk about publicly, but maybe uh, maybe after the show, after hours. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Jason, Kelly, you give us something cool then. Me? Um, yeah, yeah. If KYT isn't going to give us something cool, you give us give us a hint, give us a tease. What's the next big pre-release going to look like? Um, well, first thing I did on Monday morning after pre-release weekend was call the hotel and book February first for Born of the Gods because. Yeah. It, it was no doubt in my mind that our last event was successful and we wanted to do it again. We wanted to get another crack. Um, the thing that keeps astounding me as as a TO is how much I learn from every single event that I run. Um, because there's there's no like, no one's, there's no perfect TO, right? Every TO that runs events, ha- there's always opportunity to do better. And uh, I, I feel like one thing that makes me a good TO is that I'm I'm perceptive to that. Like I'm aware that I could be doing things better all the time, and I'm making mental notes as the day goes on. Like, so you know, next time for the regional period, I'm gonna have two computers, two printers, two copies of work, and events one, three, five, and seven are gonna be happening in the one computer, and two, four, six, and eight are gonna happen in the other computer. And that'll just streamline the day a lot, right? You know, simple things like that where that'll really help things move along. Um, so I, I can't wait to do it again for Born of the Gods. February 1st, save the date. Um, that's going to be super fun. Um, and then on the idea of, like, big events outside the, like, cookie-cutter show-up, win-your-box, go-home uh events there's something pretty exciting that i've got in the works uh march 9th sunday march 9th which is the week before gp montreal uh there's gonna be something pretty cool happening in toronto um i can't say more than that yet but that save the date if you're in toronto or if you want to be in toronto uh that'll be a pretty pretty interesting day how do you feel about trains Trains are awesome. Who doesn't love trains? Trains are the shit, man. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. Who's who's played Ticket to Ride? Have it? Are you any of you guys uh, board game players? I, 
Yeah, I'm a big, big board game player. I haven't played that oh, one. Yes. So. I yeah. don't like Ticket to Ride. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Come on. What do, you, what do you not like? There's trains. You can get your girlfriend to play. You can get your aunt and uncle to play. Everyone can play Ticket to Ride. There's trains. They can have fun. Drive some trains around. Can you play a competitive game with your aunt and uncle? Okay. So <laughs> go play a PTQ. I'll go play with your aunt and uncle because they're <laughs> nice. They are. They are. Definitely. You know, I just, I, I, I find it just a little too random, but, um, it, no, it's, it's a well put together game and it's better than anything that you're going to get over, like any North American type thing. Right. So, but it's, it feels very much like playing like, uh, Hopefully you draw the right color from your deck. Here's one thing I've wondered. How much crossover is, and maybe this is something that can show up in the comments of the show, but how much, how many Magic players play board games on a regular basis? Um, I know I am, like, I like playing Magic. I draft and, you know, play some EDH here and there, but board games is where I can, like, relax and, like, play just for the shits and giggles. And I, I are magic players like that? Do magic players just play EDH when they want to play for shits and giggles, or is there a board game component to every magic gamer? I don't know. I don't know. I taught a bunch of guys how to play Lords of Waterdeep in between our Friday night magic and our midnight pre-release. There you go. So like, I like to try and jam the games in there whenever I can. Kyt, you're Asian. You must love board games. I love board games. Um. I mean, a few years ago, I started um, the recent, you know, board game craze amongst my friends because I, I, I don't know why I bought the game. I have to remember, but I bought Dominion, okay. and then oh, it Dominion. just, hmm, oh Dominion, oh Dominion, and then basically Dominion is the card game. Coincidentally, like I started with it, but it's the game that has spawned all these clones, right? That have copied. It's yeah. core concept, and well, I assume Dominion probably co- copied its concept from other games, but that's the from from my perspective, that's like the father of the current uh, line of of card games that you see, and uh, you know that's spawned a lot of people to pick other the games up. For people who haven't played Dominion, it's a deck building game. Yeah. Um, I'm sure many people have heard of Ascension. If you play Magic, you've probably heard of Ascension. Uh, where it's you sort of like draft your deck as you play the game. People describe it as like drafting magic while playing magic at the same time. Um, so that that concept of or that style of game, it's now like it started out as Dominion, then Ascension popped up when I think it was Kibler who got involved with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, you know now there's like a DC deck building game. There's like exactly a like it <laughs> game. There's like a Resident Evil, Star Wars, like Star Trek, like anything you can think of. There's a deck building game. There's there's a Japanese deck building game called Tantakori where you're made. You're like a maid trying to clean the house better than the other maids. <laughs> it's it's so Japanese it freaks me out, <laughs> but apparently it's awesome. Um, but yeah, deck building games are crazy uh, because they become such a huge fad and they become so popular. Yeah, and and I do view it in a in a way as playing these different games will will help me with my magic game. I feel like just playing, just getting out of you know just playing magic and, and trying these other different things is good for my brain, so that I just don't just you know don't 
narrow um, my game playing experience. Totally. There's um there's another style of board game that I've gotten really into um, that are sort of hidden role games. So if anyone's played Saboteur or um, Battlestar. The Resistance, Battlestar, yeah. Where at the beginning of the game, each player is dealt a, a role, and you're either like a good guy or a bad guy, and you don't know who else is on your team. And then you play the game trying to sort of figure out who's on your team and then decide, you know, you have to sort of be like sneaky about how much information do you reveal. And and, and the, the, the it's a wide genre. There's lots of sort of different styles. If anyone's played like Mafia or Werewolf, with like just a regular deck of cards it's 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 sort of there's a whole genre like that now and i find those are really good for improving your poker face um if if magic players want to get better at bluffing and get better at like espionage um practicing like lying and practicing pretending you're something you're not is is a really good skill so play board game play board games uh, on that note, never play Monopoly with somebody that you love. No. <laughs> no or out. just never play Monopoly. Well, yeah, Monopoly is a horrible game. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't mention, uh, our listeners appreciate you didn't mention Star Wars miniature. <laughs> Why did you have to go into it? Why did you have to do it? Um, I want to wrap things up with the board game section. Like, my favorite, it's not really a board game, but my favorite game from from these board game stores that you can buy. I don't know if you've heard about this game, Kelly. Uh, Balderdash is actually one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, Balderdash is... So Balderdash is is very simply put, like a, a game about lying. So the, it'll be like a, a crazy word or a, a phrase, and then you'll you, the dealer, will see what the word actually means. So it'll be like, you know, some weird medical term, and then you'll have to, like, make up what the word could mean. Um, and and then people have to guess as to which one the, the, the truth is. Uh, that that sounds like a lot of fun for practicing your lying, too. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun when you're with uh, people that are funny. I imagine it'd be an awesome game to play with Scott and Jay and, and Jeremy. And the reason why it's my favorite game of all time, because I used to play in high school, and the game would degenerate to a point where we don't actually play the game seriously, and we're just we're just trying to see who can come up with the funniest <laughs> fake definition for a word. So <laughs> it's it's been a great time. It's been a great time. It's like this word means when you're in Jamaica and you lose your pants in a yeah. tree and then you have to ask a homeless guy to borrow his pants instead. Yeah, yeah shit like that. <laughs> it's well and sometimes a really wacky one is the actual answer. Once in a Blue Moon, the really, really wacky one. But so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I I find board games, uh, there's a really, I don't know if people are familiar with TED Talks, but there's an excellent TED Talk by someone, and I will Google this. um, But it's a TED Talk about gaming and how gaming is going to save the world. Um, Oh. Yeah. In general or board gaming? like gaming in general she's talking mostly about video games i think oh, what's her name gene something or other anyway go on ted watch all the ted talks because they're awesome you'll find but, it um she, yeah I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to talk and type at the same time and i'm not a very good multitasker 
Um, but she's talking about how when you play games with people, you develop a relationship with them. And this is one of the reasons I think Magic is such a beautiful game and, and inspires such community in, like, let's be honest, like a pretty socially awkward demographic. Uh, it encourages people to, like, step out of their shell, step out of their comfort zone, and try something they might not otherwise try. Um, but she says that when people play games, you actually develop relationships faster than any other medium. Like, anything else you can do with human beings, playing games builds connections faster. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who wins or loses. Like, I can, I can 2-0 KYT brutally in our game of Magic, and, and it doesn't matter that he got crushed. We're going to be closer friends because of it. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. I would kill you in Magic. It happens. Yeah. Um, but just that idea that we, we're, we're working under the same rules and we're cooperating, we're, we're playing by the same game, is what builds that connection and really helps people, you know, I don't know. Well, like they say with like relationships and stuff like that, it's a matter of building rapport and then growing on that rapport. And the board game itself is an artificial rapport. So, like it's it's something that you guys can agree on, something that you guys are doing at the same time. So it's yeah, it's. So um, are we saying <laughs> fuck sex? We'll play a sex game. You know what? We should still all take time for real sex because. <laughs> Or sex is probably not as good as real sex. I, you should probably also head down to the tarantula store and get some sleeves for your board game cards for that game, because fluids and printed cards, like, yeah. you probably want to reuse that game, I'm hoping. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Has anyone heard of Cards Against Humanity? Yes, yes. All right, all right. So Super cards against popular humanity. now. An association game. There was recently a, a new game published by uh, Lion Rampant, which is one of the main distributors up here in Canada, called Personally Incorrect. And it's like Cards Against Humanity, but just way more inappropriate, if you can believe that. Um, I, I don't think I've seen the word anal printed on so many <laughs> pieces of cardboard before in my life. It, it was ridiculous reading through the list. It was awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, I know uh, at PAX I waited in line like three days trying to get a bigger blacker box, and it yeah. just wouldn't happen. Nope, nope, certainly not. The, I found the TED Talk. So Jane McGonigal, if you search Gaming to Save the World TED Talk, if you Google Gaming to Save the World TED Talk, Jane McGonigal will show up, and uh, it's like 20 minutes. She's really inspirational um, and and super cool. So check it out. All powerful Kyle, could you please put that in the show notes? Yeah, sure. I could. Uh, no, I, I won't link it. Kyle can figure it out. Kyle's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, he's good with the Google and stuff, right? <laughs> he created let me Google that for you. dot com. No, 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 wait, no. no. You're making that up right now. Let's Google it. Let's Google it. Have you you have used this site, right? No. What site? Oh my god. Okay. What? Let Hold me on. Google it. Oh no, yeah. that site is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Here. So this is for you in the chat window. 
It's very simply lmgtfy.com. Okay? And how do I use Google? It could be anything. And it basically looks like a Google page. And you type a question and you click a button. And then it creates this link. Shorten it. Copy. And it'll present something like this. And it's a shortened link. And somebody would be like, oh, yeah, do you know how I can find information about whether or not the school buses are canceled? And then you basically create this little link. And you Google, are the buses canceled in X district? Yes, I'm a dad. This is a thing. Uh, and then you just copy, create this link through the site, and then you send it. And then when they click on it, and they open it up, it opens up Google, it types in the search that you that you requested, and then clicks on the Google search button. There. Was and that so gives, hard? Yeah, it gives you a little bit of... So yeah, essentially, you just take the person's question and put it in there. Google. It's very good. It's uh, better than Lugal, I hear. God, that movie was good. That's clever. It's like it uses Google for you. Yeah, but it's like it, it's the like ultimate the epitome it, of lazy. That's like the remote to find your remote. Well, no, no, no. The idea behind this is that it's it's you're finding the remote for somebody else. Like if somebody else is being retarded, right? Then you use this to be like, here, look, stop being so lazy. Like, you Kelly, I'm at my computer, but do you remember time. when GP Toronto is? And then you, you would send me that. You, yeah, yeah, here's the link right here. And then all it is, I open it up, and then it sees me type in, when is GP Toronto? And then it clicks that, and then it gives me the little shot of, like, see, was that so hard? Because it's, like, any information I could have found on Google. That's the joke. Does it make fun of you? Yes. Yes. Really? Click the link. Click the second link that I sent you. Just fucking Google it. <laughs> dot com. Let me Google that for you. Dot com. Yeah. That's pretty uh, good. That's funny. Yeah. And then there's Bart Simpson saying, "I will Google before asking dumb questions." Over and over on the shockboard. Yeah, that too. All right. So, um, are you working tomorrow? Me? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Friday. Half an M. What time do you start? Noon. Noon till 2 a.m. That's my Fridays. Sweet. I'll have to come by and see you tomorrow. Well, sure. I owe you a box. Why not? Well, yeah, but, like, I'm going to come by and see you anyway. Well, yeah, because, yeah, regardless of the, just because you miss me. Yeah, well, there's that. Where's your store? Uh, Young and Steels, like the ass end of Toronto, is where I where I run the store. It's called the Hairy Tarantula North. For a little plug there, plug, young plug, plug. We play a lot of F and M lately. When I, when I started at the store, we were like excited when we got eight people. Yeah, we were excited. Yeah, Scotty was Scotty and Alex would come out to help round out our our eight so we could sanction that baby. Um, recently we've been doing like modern F and M we've been doing this big kick on modern. And, uh, so we, but we still run standard and draft like we usually do. So we've been breaking a hundred attendance in all our tournaments put together. Wow. Yeah. Which is bananas. Like it's, it's totally insane. 
And you make like your modern F and M prizes also. You make them stupid too, right? Yeah, yeah. I so here's how modern F and M back in like the winter of 2013, like eight months ago, we were doing you know leading up to GP Toronto and even following through the modern PTQ season, we were getting like 12, 15 people out. Like it was it was pretty hopping. And then it sort of petered out, and I we we sort of canceled it because we were getting weeks where like four people would show up, right? But then as the months went on, getting into the summer after Modern Masters, people were like, "Hey, you should start running Modern F and M again." And I was like, "No, people keep asking me. We're not doing that. Like, no, no, no." People kept bugging me about it, and I was like, "Fine, you know what? I'm gonna say we're gonna give away a Dark Confidant to first place." And I'm going to charge five bucks a head, and, you know, and nobody's going to show up. And then I can say, see, look, I told you so. And uh, so we advertised the Dark Confidant, and lo and behold, 28 people showed up. And so it was like, all right, fine, I guess that worked. And so now we say, like, you know, crazy, you know, Vendillion clicks for all the four O's and stuff like that. And then once a month, we do, like, a $10 event for Goifs. And then we get like forty-five people out. It's it's bananas. Nice. Yeah, it, it you know what? But it's it's something cool. It's something fun. People are really into modern. People like a a format that isn't rotating all the time. And we get a lot more mature players. Um, not that standard players aren't mature. You can be mature too. Um, but we get people who who don't want to have to like keep their thumb on it nonstop. You know, they can they can build the deck play when they get a chance to and, and not worry about it in between. And I, I think Wizards has done an amazing job of building the modern format to sort of appeal to that in-between crowd, people who don't quite have the commitment for legacy um, and yet are sort of exhausted with, like, these drastic deck alterations that need to happen with Standard every two or three months when a new set comes out. And not to say that modern doesn't adjust because it totally does, but it it doesn't swing as as wildly as standard does. You you know you can build a modern deck, put it in a box, open it up six months later, and and it'll still compete. You know. Yeah, I like modern. I like modern too. My format of choice. Well, there you go. You you heard it here first, people. Jeremy Schofield, modern champion. Huh. No, no, that's Balderdash. Win every modern event. He's gonna win all the modern events ever. Balderdash. Yeah, yeah, Balderdash. <laughs> For people who don't know me, um, I really am like madly in love with the card Trading Post. I'm actually really sad that long to play Corset Limited because. It means I can no longer draft like ridiculous trading posts, Angelic Accord, Bubbling Cauldron shenanigans. You're one and, of those. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those. I yeah, I got a fifth trip, fifth pick trading post at F and M last week, and I was like jumping for joy. I was so excited, uh, and and then I proceeded to to O two drop with it. But normally, when I trade <laughs> posts, it's really good. That's funny. So. The 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 obvious coordination between your O2 record and your insane quantity of trading posts. Usually, to be fair, usually when I trading post, it's like a two one at worst. There's been a lot of like 
3-0 trading post shenanigans. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I, you know, when the standard deck popped up, I, uh, you know, it, it made me almost want to take a Friday Night Magic off so that I could play trading posts. I, I didn't do it because if Friday Night Magic's, like, there's nobody to replace me. I can't really take a Friday off. Yeah. But, you know, if I could have, I would have. Nice. Well, if anyone has any questions that they want to hit you up with, Kelly, about uh, running tournaments or um, just other stuff that's going on, how can they reach you? Um, Kelly Tarantula at gmail.com is my email that I use. Uh, feel free to spam the shit out of that. I, really I, likes pictures of guys with big dicks. Enormous <laughs> dicks. And the but, like, dicks, the sillier, the better. Yeah, the, yeah. If it's, like, <laughs> uh, if it's like on top of a, a statue of a moose, that's the best. But I, I also Twitter, but I'm not very good about paying attention to that. So the email or the Facebook, Kelly Tarantula on Facebook, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, no, no dicks on my Facebook, please. That would be awkward. Yeah, that's public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what happens with, uh, uh, PTQ for Born of the Gods. Me too. I'm super excited. I'm a judge manager for the October 5th, uh, Legends Warehouse event. Yeah. So I'm I'm like semi invested in that event. I you know I, I know John at Legends Warehouse. He's a real sweet guy. Yeah. He's just determined on on throwing a good party, and he's he's gonna lose money on this event because he's doing it at the Congress Center, which is not cheap. No. Just ask Jason and Mike about how not cheap that is. Um, and and uh, you know it's the same venue as GP Toronto was in 2012. Um, so if, if that puts it in perspective, uh, yeah, it's right by my office. Yeah, it's it's going to be an amazing event. He's really sticking his neck out for it. So everyone go support that. Um, I think there's going to be like a big war machine event as well. If you're into war gaming um, and there's going to be a bunch of like Grand Prix trials on the side and stuff like that. Um, and then we're hosting a huge event back at the Primrose Hotel, October 12th. Uh, that's going to be a big modern constructed event for Jeremy Schofield. He's going to fly in for it. Really? Yeah, yeah. You, you get October twelfth. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to fly in on the back of a huge <laughs> moose-headed dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then my event is uh, my big PTQ is November 9th. That's the Harry Tarantula Downtown's PTQ, November 9th at Ryerson. I'm going to plug the shit out of that. Uh, you can VIP for that PTQ. That's something that I've never seen PTQ before. PTQ VIP? Yeah, so this is actually this is actually very interesting. This is why I wanted to make sure we brought it up, because this has not been done anywhere, and anybody that I've talked to about this has just been like, really? For a PTQ, I get like VIP and deck reg? This is insane. So the the motivation for this was like I remember I was telling you how when we had two hundred people in the computer and I looked up and there was still a lineup out the door. Mm. The biggest problem when you have a three hundred and seventy person event is getting everyone in the fucking computer. And if you can get people to pre-register, you can cut that time down substantially, and you can get your event started when it's supposed to start without nearly as much headache. So. 
as an incentive to get people to pre-register, um, first of all, I made it easy to. You can either come into the store, you can send us a PayPal, or you can send us just an email money transfer, like you would, you know, pay your boss or whatever. I I, I don't know why you're paying your boss, but um, you can, you know, so it's easier to pre-reg. And then we can also, um, there's about $1,000 worth of prizes that you can get. You can only have access to if you've pre-registered. So there's going to be like a lottery raffle shenanigans for people who pre-registered only. And that's going to include like VIP pre-regs into Grand Prix Toronto. It's going to include Harry T. gift certificates, some chain mail dice bags we've gotten specially made by uh, Stoneford Smithy, a um, bunch of other cool stuff. You know, some, some of these play mats we cooked up. Um, so that's for everyone who pre-regs. And then if you VIP pre-reg, which costs an extra $25, you get play mat, deck box, sleeves, a pre-registered pool. So you get to show up like two hours later. You don't have to be there at a quarter to 10. You get drink tickets and $10 store credit at the Harry T, um, which is bananas. So I, I, it's totally just like a bunch of free shit to bribe you to actually pre-register. It's, it's, that's the whole point is I don't, I just want your name in my computer before we actually start playing magic on the day. Yeah. But it sounds awesome. Sounds like it's going to be a crap ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I hope and, so. And, uh, the format is definitely shaping up to be pretty sweet. Um, any surprises we're expecting to see in uh, the Star City Met this weekend? What, me? Surprises? Everybody? Yeah, you, um, Kelly. Any cards yeah. from the set do you think no are going to like jump out, aside from the obvious ones? Like, obviously, Anger of the Gods and Chain to the Rocks are pretty good. And I want to see lots of spears. This standard format is so shaken up. Like People think they know what's going on, but I think we're going to be really surprised, and I think there's going to be some really crazy brews. That that poke their heads up and just sort of take everyone by storm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really interesting that there's a Star City event before the Pro Tour that is the same format as the Pro Tour, because traditionally, since they've moved the Pro Tour to three weeks after pre-release, there hasn't been a lot of sort of preview of what the format looks like. So I think a lot of the pros who are hitting the Pro Tour are going to be very closely watching this weekend. Um, to try to get an understanding of what the format does, what people are playing, and how to react to that. So I'm I'm curious to see how they play off it. You know, I, I don't mind it too much because I think of, like, Montreal, where, like, Montreal kind of had some stuff going on, but, like, it really felt like Quebec City was, like, a little bit more of, like, a settled format. Yeah. So, you know, like, that might be, this is the case where, like, some of, like, the ludicrous things happen. And then the Pro Tour, we actually have, like, a little bit more of a settled format that you're going to see some, like, really tuned lists. Wait, you don't want any Deathbridge chant shenanigans? I think it'll happen. Rob, you're the man. Go, Rob. <laughs> Rob Castellanbacks. I, I, I judged at GP Providence, which was, like, shortly after uh, Rob had his, had his super crazy run at Pro Tour... Dragon Mates or whatever it was. And all the judges were walking around with this pin that said, I knew Rob Castellan before he was pro. 
<laughs> and I, I talked with him and I was like, so what's it like being a, a celebrity? And he's like, it's really funny because I, when he was, he said that when he was at the pro tour, he was sitting down to play against all these pros and he had no clue who they were. And yet he knew like nine out of 10 of the people on the judge staff. And he was like, yo, judge, what's going on? <laughs> it's totally backwards. All right. So, uh, boys, you got anything else you want to add tonight? Nope. <laughs> no. Everyone go to um, Face to Faces PTQ on sa- Sunday, November 3rd, too. Because supporting our local PTQs are good. And they are the best. Face to Face rocks. Yeah. And I'll be there. Come on. Obviously. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there, too. You can re <laughs> reg for my PTQ at the other PTQ. It's like... <laughs> So KYT is going to be there, so that means there's seven slots open in that top eight for you. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But the top one's still up for grabs. (laughs) I'll be meditating in in Asia (laughs) for this win. Yeah. So are you back in time for this one? I'll be back in time for all the uh, November. I'm probably going to go to Kelly's, so really excited. Oh, nice. Okay. When is uh so when is your trip? I'll be leaving October fifth. Wow. So are you podcasting for those two weeks or are you gone? I am likely gone. Okay. But uh if I can manage away then Oh no, we don't need you. I was just asking <laughs> Kyle is the laugh track set up. Do we have the KYT soundboard done? KYT soundboard, yeah. We'll just make sure that's taken care of. It's just like Kyle pretending to be me. <laughs> no, you know, you know what's actually going to happen. What you don't understand is, is we're actually going to do an episode where all we do is a, is a soundboard. Like there will literally that be a soundboard. Happen. Yeah, and and Kyle can just edit in some laughs or some woes, and it'll be awesome. And Jeremy can just ask, like, because Jeremy promised to get you to talk more. He ask pointed questions that he answered with, like, so, hey, KYT, did you hear about that crazy PTQ finish? And you can be like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> and then that can be it, you know? He can still be completing his mission as the fourth yeah. A-team. I think we should just find some, like, I know that they're very rare, but, like, KYT rants. Where it's like you could ask a question and then we just replay a clip from an old show. It'll be like a flashback episode. Oh, and it also just make no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> Completely out of context. And then Oh, that's so much better. <laughs> I got a real red wagon. <laughs> oh man. Oh my goodness, Kyle, we totally have to do this. We'll yeah. ask questions and then we'll just like wait for twenty seconds and you just find pieces like the fit in that spot. <laughs> we have to like record that we have to recruit that vault cold guy. Yeah. Because that guy's just... insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well we've we've definitely with this episode given him more than enough ammunition if he ever wants to frame us as homosexuals. <laughs> the amount of times we talked about big huge dicks on this show, I don't know. Well, I really appreciate you, Scott, telling everyone that I took one in the butt last episode. I didn't. I said you took one in the rear. Oh, sorry. Which happened. We'll quote you out of context. Yeah, you better not. I certainly did not insinuate that you got, like, you know, anally invaded. That's not what I was... I'm sorry if people misconstrued my statement. All I said was that you took a hit in the rear 
of your bumper from someone else's car. Never use the word bumper. <laughs> no, no, I understand. It was inferred. Oh, man. He's not from Musiman. Musiman? Yeah. You know, rural Manitoba town called Musiman where there's a giant penis on the moose. Come on. <laughs> Connect the dots here. Oh, man. All right, folks. Have yourselves an excellent night. We will see you all next week. Um, KYT will still be here. This is his last yep. show before he goes to Asia. So uh, if you guys want to know anything about where he's going or his trip or want to wish him well, then you can do that in the comments this week. Uh, please feel free to leave a bunch. Like I said, uh, feel free to ask Kelly as well any questions uh, via email. Uh, or Twitter, or Facebook without the dick pics, and uh, you can also leave him some messages in the comments. He's fairly active in our comments also. Um, if you'd like to uh, send Jeremy more morphine to get over the pain of being take, of taking one in the rear, then uh, you can hit him up for that as well. Um, if you guys want in on... Uh, when is this going to post? Uh, yeah, if you want in on the, the uh, Magic Fat Bet, uh, get at me on Facebook. Uh, Monday's the last day to get your video in. So those of you that are participating, make sure you get that done. Yay! Yay! We are actually at um, 53 or 54 people in that group right now. <laughs> um, I don't know how many. I don't know how many videos are posted. It's a significantly less than that. But again, deadline's Monday, so we'll see what happens. Yep, I, I love watching some of the videos. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I'm fat, and I'm going to change it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm tired of this. I don't want to die of a stroke. I think it's awesome. Oh, yes. Kyle, Kyle's is the best. Um, for me, it was emotional just because he said that no male member of his family has lived past 58 or something. Yeah. So he really wants to get in, in shape for his kids. So I was like, I was moved. I was yeah. moved. I agree. Yes, I agree. I was moved today when I saw my personal trainer for the first time. And, uh, yeah, I got a trainer because I'm, like, taking this thing pretty seriously. And uh, he humiliated me today. <laughs> like, I felt like a terribly weak, flabby infant. I felt like my wow. daughter would kick my ass in the schoolyard. <laughs> Like, you go, terrible. trainer. You go. It was terrible. And, like, but it was a good discouragement, you know, because it's like, wow, I'm just humiliating myself. I need to do better. It's almost like your first girlfriend trying to give you a hand job. <laughs> That's what it felt like, you know? And you're, like, watching her do it, and she's, like, completely inept, and you're like, oh, that's cute. I really appreciate you trying, but... <laughs> You Anyways. just lay there, and I'll take care of this. Yeah, it's like, I tell you what, just, uh, I don't understand why this is so hard. Just, like, squeeze a little harder, 45 degrees to the left, tug, tug. Yep, there it is. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why this is so hard. But, um... <laughs> but it's it's so it was so bad. It was so bad. It was just doing, like, random stuff, like planks and, and uh, like, seated squats against the wall. And, and I'm just... Oh, that stuff is brutal. But I'm fucking so out of shape. Like, that stuff should be insane. Anyways, so he tells me that I can hit 40 pounds by December. Do it. And Do I'm, it. In for him, I'm into him for a year, by the way. So there's a really good chance that I may actually be, like, the lightest I've been since grade 11 by the time I'm done this year with this guy. Well, if he keeps kicking your ass like that, then, yeah, you 
Yeah, he's got a full <laughs> nutrition plan and everything sent to me. He's like, he's like, Scotty, he said, I'll tell you what, for the next three days, because he told me I was starving myself and that I, uh, I can't do anything because my body's all fucking eating itself in the wrong way or whatever. So he's like, you go and you eat anything you want for the next three days. Fucking everything. You eat all of it. Fucking drink, do anything you want to do for the next three days. Because Monday we start, and there'll be no more of it. So get your bill. Like, oh, <laughs> nice. God. Yeah, so for di- for dinner tonight, this is going to make all the fat bet people so angry. I went to Quiznos for dinner tonight, and I had, because uh, they have the barbecue pulled pork subs on. <laughs> so I got a large, right, on, like, the wow. fancy rosemary parmesan bread, yeah, wow. with, like, double meat. You and sick, uh sick man. and I had like all of the sauces on it and it was like fucking amazing and it was so delicious. Yeah. Yeah, it was really amazing. And then and after lo- they put all the sauce on, you were like, just have some like butter you can pour over that. Yeah. No, no. I was just like, just throw it in the deep fryer, it's fine. Um But uh but it was it was it's fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty excited. So I'm gonna I have a boys' night this weekend and uh we're doing a bunch of people coming over on Saturday. So I'm, you know, gonna have a few, uh, a few adult beverages, and uh, it's gonna be a good time. I'm pretty excited. So yeah, and then from then on in, I enter my own personal hell. Get out, fatty! Seriously, <laughs> seriously, this guy's like an ex, like semi-retired professional boxing coach. This guy, like, oh, like his son, his son is the number one ranked uh, boxer in the province. For his weight class, and he's fifteen. <laughs> like, kid sends him a message. I show me the message. He's like, "So, Dad, I just did plank for six and a half minutes. Is that good?" Jesus. I'm like, what? For anyone who's done plank before, you will know that six and a half minutes is like four lifetimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It might as well be forever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh. That's the kind of guy that I'm into, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I I got the best of the best, no messing around. So damn pride on the line. Yeah, yeah. He says in a year. He says in uh, in a year if I do everything he says and work as hard as I can, then you know there's a good chance my back could look like GSPs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Then they will for sure call you Mr. Scotty Mac. That's right, because when you're this big, they will call you Mr. <laughs> Anyways, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be pretty sweet stuff. I don't think it's going to get that far. I'll probably fucking die before that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good. I, I, have other, I have other things going on too, right? Like I have other side, side wagers and stuff in addition to this. So like I've got a lot invested in this aside from yeah. You know that, but it's like my health too. It's a big deal. I'm not betting against you for this. <laughs> no, you should. Oh, it you should just because you know you should reward all my efforts. <laughs> but uh, but no, I understand your your apprehension in doing so. I I honestly considered a triple down after my trainer told me that. Yeah, yeah. Can you Wait. imagine a triple down? That would be that'd be eighty something. That's a fucking pounds. I know. I know. If if I could take the year to do it, like if I could take the year, I'd take a triple down. If anyone wants to offer me side action on the triple down in a year, I'll take it. But it better you better be fucking ready to put your money where your mouth is, because <laughs> this is not cheap. <laughs> Open 
to just break even in the end. Honestly, if you know what, if I can break even and lose a hundred pounds, it don't fucking matter, does it? It really doesn't <laughs> no. matter. That sounds like a win in my books. Yeah. 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 So I'm pretty excited. But yeah, so if you see me and I'm really angry, it's uh, it's probably just because I'm hungry. <laughs> so, or I hurt a lot. Or both. I ex- I expect I'm gonna get a lot of Scotty slap you somewhere. You know, I'd be like, oh, I fucking hurt all the time. I can't <laughs> wait to see you and poke you in the boob. Oh man, seriously, right? Yeah. The worst part is, is you have to be ready for what comes after that, right? Because oh. like you've got to figure that. I'm going to be hurting that badly because I've been, you know, strength training and shit like crazy. So you have to be ready for the shove back. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like if I catch you on like, like a chest day, like a day after the chest day, like you will have like zero strength. <laughs> you like, like throw you to like spaghetti arms at me. Like that's all you'll be able to do. Uh, yeah. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the fucking like shin kick is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Whack, you fucking asshole. Nah, it'll be good. I'm excited. It should be good times. Anyways, um, we're really leaving. It's been two hours, and Kyle says that uh, his union contract expires after two hours. So, (laughs) See you guys next week. Peace.